Well, hey guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. It's good to be back with you guys. It's been a minute. I've been releasing some live recordings from the Hunt Expo for the last couple weeks. So uh, if you like those, I hope you enjoyed them. If you aren't a huge fan, I totally get it. Um, But I'm going to be returning back to more normal programming here. Um, And so I'm excited because I'm coming back. uh, This is a great episode, to be honest. Um, You know, sometimes you have... um, Episodes of the conversation doesn't flow quite as well or whatever. You're just kind of getting to know somebody or, or whatnot. But um, this one, I sit down with my old friend, Dan Staten from Elk Shape, and we just have a really great conversation. It's really entertaining. It's funny. We got a really good back and forth kind of dynamic going. And, um, and the reason for that is just because we are actually friends and we've spent you know, a fair amount of time together. So, um, you know... <sighs> Just to give you a little bit of background, if you're new to the podcast, and I do mention it in the show, but Dan in 2021 hired me to come out and film for him, and that was kind of my first kind of um, break into the the you know the video side of the industry, and um, so he gave me a shot, and um, we had a great time. Very tough hunt. We get into it a little bit here, but um, if you haven't heard, you should go back, dig back into the podcast library. We did a bunch of uh, podcasts together about it and videos. Some crazy stuff went down, um, including getting kicked off public land and threatened with violence and helicopters chasing elk, people pushing elk away from us on public land. Just crazy stuff. Go back and check it out. But anyway, that's kind of old news um, if you've been listening for a while. But um, yeah, so me and Dan are just buddies and I saw him at the expo and I, I tried to get him to sit down and do a podcast with me. But, um, you know, there's tons of stuff going on. And actually, I'm glad it didn't work out because we got to sit down and do a real, you know, full-on podcast back at home. And it's it's great. Um, the quality is good. And we just have a really good time and a great conversation. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about bear hunting with spring bear hunting coming up and kind of what he's got going over at Elk Shape. And, um, and then we really kind of dig into, um, you know, some tag application strategy Um And also, you know, this year, kind of my goal for this year, last year, my goal was to kill a mule deer and a coos deer. This year, my goal is to kill an elk and a blacktail, which would be my final deer for my deer slam. But really, my my goal for this upcoming year, Lord willing, I draw my uh, Montana general tag, but my goal is to really get my first elk this year. Um, so we kind of dive into that. I felt, I felt like Dan was a great guy to talk about, you know, killing your first elk with. And um, we talk a little bit about that, bear hunting, kind of just, like I said, whatever. We just kind of chat and get and kind of catch up. And, um, you know, for me, there's been a lot going on lately. Um, tons of stuff happening with the show and um, working on editing that and putting that together. And so I'm um, excited to be able to come back to you guys now with a, a great podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. I do want to let you know, again, now's the time to gear up for spring bear. Um, now's the time to gear up for um, the season coming up. And so if you go to Go Hunt Gear Shop and you use the code QUEST, you're going to get 10% off anything you order, and um, it's going to directly help supporting the show. So, um, you know, I like buying stuff in the Go Hunt Gear Shop because even if it's a product that you have to kind of go outside of a hunting brand to get, you're still supporting a hunting brand if you buy it from the Go Hunt shop. Um, also, 
all the gear that they that they have in there they hand selected they don't just carry anything so you can pretty much rest assured if they got it in the go hunt gear shop it's because it's a decent piece of gear so um so go there use the code quest on anything you get and you'll be supporting the show and you're getting a good deal other thing i want to mention is insider so you know i know we've talked about it before um you know but insider is an amazing tool i use it all the time especially right now i have literally like probably 10 or 12 go hunt tabs pulled up on my computer right now that i'm looking at because if you're doing a multi-state multi-species strategy or if you just want to start getting into western hunting um, it's got all the information you need in one place to research units find tags look at your draw odds figure out the trophy potential um, you know, then they have mapping stuff as well, but as far as getting tags, researching units, finding hunting opportunities in multiple states and multiple different species, there's no better tool that I know of, uh, than Go Hunt Insider. Um, I will always probably be a Go Hunt Insider member. Um, there's other tools out there, but, um, the ease of use and just the capabilities it has is awesome. So highly, highly recommend you go gohunt.com, get an insider subscription, um, and if you want to do some serious research and get more tags, I can guarantee you that's the number one tool. Use that code QUEST, you're going to save 20% off your membership. So that's a really good deal, and again, when you do that, you are directly supporting the Hunter's Quest podcast and TV show. So I, I, you know, you're getting a great tool at a great price, and you're helping me out. So I really appreciate that if you guys do that. Anything at Go Hunt or Outdoor Class, use the code Quest. You'll save and get a good product. Um, lastly, I kind of brought back the thing I had kind of started doing in the beginning, which was giving shout-outs to folks that leave me reviews. Um, I really want to kind of ramp that back up. I want to get to like 500 reviews. Um, you know, I'm at like 263 or something right now. I got a long way to go, but, um, right now I'm going to shout out Frummer, Keith Lansdale, Joe22657, and H. Dow. They actually went in there and gave me a written review. If you go and give me a written review, um, and a five-star rating, I will send you some swag in the mail. So if you are one of those guys I just called out, um, shoot me a, mes a message on Instagram and give me your shipping info and I'll send you some swag in the mail. In the meantime, guys, please go to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to this podcast, um, and, um, you know, also share this with your friends and family, uh, share it on social media, put it in your story, um, and, uh, leave me a five-star review and a written rating. It's really big in, uh, helping me get the name, uh, the, the name out, getting, uh, more listeners and stuff like that. Um, word of mouth is huge. So please share this show. Uh, this is a great one to share because it's a great conversation with Dan. Dan's really entertaining and it's it's a fun listen. So so please do that. Lastly, I did enter one of my older films, my Kodiak Alpine Blacktail Hunt in the Western Hunting Film Festival. So if you go to um, Western, let's see, let me pull up the um, website real quick so I'm giving you the right link so if you go to if you just Google search Western Hunter Film Festival or go to filmfest.westernhunter.net then you go to the amateur long section amateur long films uh, the fourth one down is 
my film from Kodiak, Kodiak Alpine Blacktail. Um, give it a like. That's a vote. Um, you can vote for as many films as you want, but vote for mine and whoever else's you like, and um, that will help me out. Uh, I'd love to be a finalist in that competition. So um, I appreciate y'all's support. You know, it's a lot of work bringing uh, this content on top of trying to put together this TV show I'm working on. Um, but I love doing it. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, please support me by, you know, leaving ratings and reviews and voting for the film. Um, that'll just, uh, give me the juice to keep going guys. So working on some great guests. I got Corey Jacobson in the works. Um, uh, I got some other great names coming down the line. I got Greg McHale from Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. Um, Melissa Bachman. So, got some great guests in the works and more on the way. So, anyway, I've been talking a long time. Guys, enjoy this conversation with Dan Staten, and we'll see you on the next one. All right, guys, I'm here with my good buddy, Dan Staten, Mr. Elk Shave. How you doing, brother? Hey, happy Friday to you, Hunter McWaters. Yeah, man. We were just having a nice little chat off air. Um, but if you guys don't know, Dan is one of my oldest friends in the quote unquote the industry or whatever the cult. you want to <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dan uh, runs Elk Shape. You guys probably know about it, but um definitely check it out if you don't. But um yeah. Me and Dan me and Dan did a hunt like what was that, two years ago? 2021 New Mexico Unit yeah. Nine. It's the only <laughs> hunt I can say the unit number because I'm saving people a lot of grief. Yeah, we had a tough Don't hunt up there, but um, and if you guys, you should go back and listen to the podcast we did back back then about it because the hunt was like crazy and everything and went down weird. I still have a souvenir right behind my header here <laughs> is that um, no trespassing sign that I stole that was illegally posted. Um, but yeah, Dan kind of gave me my first shot like. Um, really filming for somebody in the industry and kind of took a chance and we had a good time, didn't we? hundred percent, man. Enjoyed <laughs> the hell out of that week. I mean, despite the conditions, yeah. looking back, um, I enjoyed, I, I like hard hunts like that. Yeah. That was really a hard hunt. And, um, I was, I know we've talked about it on other episodes and stuff, but I put you through the ringer day one, like <laughs> yeah. no doubt. And you did well, man. You survived and you did a good job. Like we got good videos. You took good still images and you gave her, you gave her all. Cool. So missed your flight home. I mean, oh, yeah. It was, oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a, it was a tough one, man. That was so, such a crazy, it's such a great memory for me. Like I said, even though that the hunt itself was very tough, it was a great memory. Just, um, I know I had a great time with you, learned a ton and it was the first time I had, it's, which has kind of become normal now, but the first time I'd really like, you know, met someone, basically a stranger, pick me up, you know, from the hotel, like just kind of flew in and then go from like never meeting you in person to spending nine days, like pretty much 24 seven together, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, it's a, it's a, and then you're in the wilderness too. It's kind of a weird experience, but it's a cool one. It That's bonds how you, get you. To know people. Yeah. Yeah. It bonds <laughs> you. Dude, we fast forward on friendship. Like that's how you hit oh, the fast yeah. forward button. Yeah. One hundred percent. Like no matter what you do, I'll always love you, Dan. 
Okay. Well, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. No, I will though. Like we're, but like we do, like we made a bond there. Like, so it's good to have you back, brother. Well, it's good to be back, man. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that you do anything, but you did ditch me at the expo. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I, I think it's all your perception. I gave you a no, soft yes, kidding. and uh, you're the most persistent guy I know. Though, like. I'll give you guys some insider. Like, I was like, "Hey, uh, remind me that we're doing this podcast because if you don't send me like an invite link and it doesn't get into my phone, I'm screwed." Right. Right. You know. So you did that, and then you were nice enough to text me yesterday, remind me, mm-hmm. which was what I asked you to do. And then you were nice enough to text me an hour before the podcast started. Yeah. And then you were nice enough to text me three minutes before the podcast started. <laughs> so I like Dude, that I, you are on your game. I know what life is like for self-employed creators <laughs> and uh, it's hectic. And especially you got family and trying to maintain physical fitness and uh, some sort of balance in your life. It's not easy. How do you, what is balance, man? Honestly, I don't know. We're both unbalanced. So what would we know? (laughs) Uh, Admittedly. Yeah. uh, To a fault for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to actually, um, have you seen uh, Winchester Deadly Passions? Melissa Bachman, you know who that is? I know who she is, but I don't know. That's her show. That's her show. Anyway. Deadly Deadly Passions. Yeah. Deadly Passions. Sounds like a, never mind. (laughs) Well, anyway, she's been going for 13 seasons on Sportsman, but um, she's a and she's a great hunter. But we were talking about how because she was telling me her story, and you know, she was very extreme personality, like myself, like kind of all in or nothing. And you're you're very much like that. And I feel like you have to have a little bit of that unbalance to do some, I don't know, to do this stuff a little bit. No, I completely agree. Um, this is my newer <laughs> podcast area in my yeah. I have an office. So I have nothing behind me yet. Oh, okay. Um, what should I put back there? I don't know. You have a really cool, like, what is, do you have like a YouTube kind of studio-ish type room or is that your home office or what is that that I've seen in some it's, of your videos? I, I have a filming studio that we made. We converted yeah, yeah. a, a ta- detached garage into- Why don't you just do it really, there? It's too cold. Uh-huh. I have a heater, but the heater just robs good sound mm-hmm. and um, like it's- it's like 220 heater, like hit the button and it's like, <laughs> but uh, like I'll be filming out there today. I got some gear stuff cool. I'm doing, but I got to turn the heat on for like an hour yeah. to warm it up because it's just cold here. Yeah. No, I get you. It's not that cold where I live. I am right above the garage, so it's a few degrees colder in here, which is why I got this vest on, but it's not like, and if you guys are listening, I apologize in advance. I have a cold, so you might hear some gross noises but i'll try to move the mic away when i can is that a 200 to 600 uh over your left shoulder yeah this one is yeah what you doing dude balling out what's that f-stop go to um this one is uh five six to six three um yeah this is how we get the long range goods man good for you you man and you got to carry this thing around which how much does it weigh I don't know exactly. I'm going to say seven to eight top end, maybe nine pounds. Oh, my God. It's heavy. Hey. Yeah, sign up to be a cameraman, folks. It's really easy. Yeah, I just basically decided a while ago. I was like, I'm just going to have the heaviest pack of anybody on every trip and whatever. I'm just going to deal with it. And you're going to walk around in a Tevas. 
<laughs> meds or you not even never, meds. I will never live it down on our <laughs> on our first like butt kicker hunt. I was wearing a Tiva mids, which are admittedly not ample footwear for what we were doing. Um, but I I was still trying to figure out. They were the only boots that I could find at that point because I can't just go to a store. I have to order like seven pairs of boots, try them all on, and send the ones back. So these are the only boots I'd found in time um, that didn't give me blisters. So since then, I have I'm still in a really flexible boot, but um, I moved to a different a different boot. I, I use the Hanwag um, Tatra Lights this past year or two. They've been really good. They're pretty narrow. Uh, you must you have narrow feet. I guess I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They uh, they've been pretty good. They're kind of a similar style of boot to like a um, crispy Laponia, like in terms of flexness and whatnot, and like right. weight. But um, anyway, you love no, the crispies, I, don't you? Uh, certain ones more more so than others. Um, yeah. I never got into. Oh my gosh, what are those called? Oh, well, how can I not remember that? Um, Thors. The Thors, um, I never, and they're really rigid. Like they're for mountaineering. Yeah. Nah, I'm not. Those ones. And then I seem to kind of gravitate towards the low end spectrum flex stuff like yeah. Laponias, the twos, and the Colorado twos. Like pretty much flexy and yeah. comfortable, especially like, you know, my style, like some mm-hmm. calling for elk, but like if they would just talk on their own, that'd be great. And we could just yeah. sneak in. I like yeah. that. Um, and then I don't do a lot of late season adventure hunts uh, yeah. for me personally. If I do, you're I all about September. Like, ultimately, that's what's what I kind of train for and yeah. set my life up for. I don't yeah. set my life up for be gone all of September and then be gone all of November yeah. Uh, in fact, I didn't. I hunted one day in November in 2022, and I hunted zero days in October. Um, yeah. which is which. Honestly, it was such a good break from hunting. I kind of my cup overfloweth, and yeah. Mrs. Elk Shape had uh, a complete basement remodel for me to do when I got home. <laughs> so nice, man. Yeah, you're like laser focused on archery elk. Yes. Don't get it twisted. Like, yep that's my North star. And, uh, that's what I want to, that's what I want to do, man. That's cool. Yeah. I, I understood why people get so obsessed with archery elk on that hunt with you. When I think it was the last night we finally got into like under 50 yards of like a screaming bull. And I was like, yep, this is freaking sweet. <laughs> I was also like, I remember there was one morning where we kind of followed our ears yeah. in the, but dark, we never saw that bull though. And we got, t- to this property line and it started getting light and we're oh, like oh yeah. <laughs> sanctuary yeah and the i couldn't keep track of how many bulls were ripping but it was just like yeah oh. and so we just kind of sat down and enjoyed the the audio show and it was yeah that was crazy i still but enjoyed that i never saw a single one of those bulls though like we, the, the last day one was like i saw his head like and like screaming and i was like oh this is cool but that bull, um do you think that bull died I don't have a lot of experience with elk, but I mean, the amount of blood, I would be really surprised. I mean, I don't know. It it hit him pretty far back. There's a lot of blood. What do you think? I think elk are tough. Um, I do probably think he succumbed to his wounds, but it was the kind of blood that made me think he died. Um, 
you know, I've seen animals bleed a ton and you not get them. So yeah. I don't, and, and I've seen a lot how of blood. I've seen how much blood comes out of an elk. So yeah. like, I don't really like, that's probably maybe a good tip for listeners is like, I don't get super like sold on, Oh, they'll get all the blood. But when you have like pink foamy, yeah. like pipe, pie plate sizes mm-hmm. hitting the ground repeatedly. They were like puddles, man. You're like, Oh, <laughs> He's not, uh, that's He's oxygenated not well. blood yeah. that's coming out of his mouth. So the shot angle was crazy. It was using a good fixed broadhead. And yeah. I don't know, man. I think I if know. we had more time, we might have turned him up. But, yeah. you know, chalk it up to a learning lesson. And then also, it's a double edged sword. Being um, a creator is what you called it is like, do you show the bad? Well, yeah. you're not being honest if you don't. And if you do, you're. You're, I mean, go read the comments on that video. Um, I stopped. <laughs> I, oh, I don't even bad. look at comments. Uh, they were at one point. I'm sure they've gotten better or worse. But um, yeah. you you know, it's a double-edged sword. But I do think it's good to Were they just the hating of... on the fact that you hit an elk and we didn't recover it? That's Yeah. At the end of the day, they're just like, you're, su- you're a terrible archery shot, which I don't think I am. But um, things happen. <laughs> and, um, you yeah. know. It happens, man. I mean, it's a real world. It's a tough shot, you know. And he took a yeah, step, literally, he literally, like, I've watched the footage a bunch. He literally took a step, like, the second you release the arrow. Yeah. Like, you release, and, like, instantaneously after that arrow's gone, he takes a step. I think. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. You can't, anyway. you know. It's all good, though. Yep, you just move on and keep going. So, did you have a good season this season? Yeah, I did. I uh, was able to hunt three states, um, that's not always that important to me is to have multiple oak tags, but it's important to me to just to be out there as much as possible, like kind of an AMRAP, you know, just get as many bugles (laughs) as possible. So this was one of those years where AMBAP. Yeah. I, uh, I've been putting in for elk hunts a long time. So it's not like, um, I get some special treatment or whatever. I just have a lot of points, man. Right. And I've been a lot of places. So, um, I secured an Idaho tag. I got a, I drew Montana, which I, I figured I would. I hadn't drawn in a couple of years. So I had that, the points was there. Was a general tag or a limited entry? Yeah, one? just a general. I've never had a limited entry Montana tag. How, Maybe do this you mind year. if I ask, how, did you have the max points for that? Yeah. yeah. And you drew that, what, last year you're saying? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, I got max points for that tag right now. Well, let's hope you draw. You're going to start over Which I want to get to later. But anyway, continue. And then I and then I had um, I drew New Mexico for the first time since two thousand seven oh. as a just a in the draw, yeah. super lucky. So I had a fortunate draw year as far as that goes. So we started in Idaho, and it was just too early. It was hot. I was sitting a, a saddle system over water, oh, um, yeah. punch, punching the clock all day, and <laughs> I didn't realize it, but. It was a great water spot, and uh, I had cameras soaking all summer, and it was a cool walk-in only spot, but the wind swirled terribly in mm-hmm. there. And so I could hear bulls come in to like under 100, 200 yards together. They were bachelored up. I could hear them sparring, but they wouldn't come in. And then the second yeah. I'd leave, they'd come in. Uh, and, and so after always. three days of – sitting in a saddle dark to dark i uh yeah i looked at my buddy jake who you've met and i'm like hey yeah. how's, how's your hunt going and he's like i'm sitting in a tree stand this sucks i'm like let's just go to new mexico 
earlier than we planned. And yeah. so we just drove straight to New Mexico. And by straight, I mean like we left Idaho at 10 a.m. <laughs> we pulled into the unit at 2 a.m. Okay. And we started night bugling from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. I located uh-huh. like six bulls okay. and parked the truck at the spot that had the most bulls, threw out the canvas cutter, <laughs> set an alarm for 40 minutes, took a nap, woke up, and we passed on three bulls that morning. Oh, cool. Called them all in. And I'm like, I'm glad we I'm glad we came down here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it was awesome. a tremendous season, man. It was awesome. Did you end up getting a bull down there in New Mexico? Yeah, I got a bull on day five in New Mexico. That's awesome. And it was uh one of those days where um picture one of your hottest September days, you know, just temperature wise. Um, but the bulls were screaming all day. We just like, there must've been a hot cow in the basin yeah. and we worked one bull who had majority of the cows, um, most of the day. Mm. And honestly, I couldn't get him to bed. It was, it was bizarre Hunter. Like I bet it was one o'clock when they finally bedded. That was just, and it was so like, we were dying. So the elk had have been hot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we finally just gave up. Cause like every time we'd get in tight we would try to vocalize and he, and his lead cow would go run. Mm. He didn't, he'd wanted to, he wanted to stay and fight. And mm. he was a, it was a really nice heavy three thirty frame bull. And mm. he just, his lead cow wanted nothing to do with us. She was wise or hip to us. She never saw us, but long story longer is um, we backed out and went all the way around the other side of the basin uh-huh. and got set up in the evening. And there was just this micro meadow that we figured they, these elk were going to come down to. And we set up an ambush spot. Mm. And, um, I was able to shoot a bull really close, like 25 yard shot, um, cool. ambush style. And, um, he, he didn't go 20. So it was <laughs> nice. To, film that one? Yeah. That one's on film. It's all in the oh. tubes. And oh, it's on bounced. there already. So yeah, we turned all our stuff around fast. Okay, I'll have to check like, it out. Um, all our entire season's up, and honestly, I I've been threatening on my YouTube channel. I'm pretty, I think I'm still pretty firm on this. Is I'm not filming my hunts anymore yeah. for a couple for a couple of reasons, but obviously, like cameramen are cool, but <laughs> it makes it harder. Yeah, for sure, and it really does. And then number two. My camera guy is a stud. He never complains. You've you've witnessed him have his bike get vandalized. Oh, Jake, he got he had a rough yeah. week. He had a rough week. His bow he <laughs> crashed. He just yeah. doesn't get like he doesn't get down, which I like. But I told him like, dude, it costs me money to hire you. You have to skip your elk season to film me. I don't yeah. like that, and it's a pain in the ass to have you. And just from the hunting side of things, and then yeah. ultimately. We make a video on how to spine a line and arrow and it gets yeah. so many views. And we put out this really cool hunt. It gets half the views. It's like the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah. So I remember you, I think we I, had the, okay, I was say we had that conversation, you know, a while ago too, kind of after that hunt, because I think that's sort of when you decided to go that direction because that's another kind of thing, like, you know, your archery out guy, then you kinda have the, built this cool like niche or audience, however you want to say it, of like doing technical archery stuff, you know, how to set up your bow, new gear. And then you just started, uh, I just saw you guys started that new uh, like gear uh, page for specifically for gear reviews, right? Yeah, just because the, the gear stuff doesn't jive with our 
audience that you were talking about. Like that audience likes archery. Oh, they really? like the tinkering. Kinda... They like lifestyle and, and elk hunting and yeah. some fitness. And uh, when we do gear specific videos, it just doesn't fit the mold. Mm. So we started a new channel to be like, all right, if you just want to know about gear and we can just go into the stuff that we've messed with and talk about it, strength and weaknesses. So I think that'll be a good channel. It'll probably grow fairly, you know, steadily over time, but it's, and you were definitely a gear guy because I remember your truck was like literally a home Depot on wheels and like a bike mechanic shop and an archery shop on wheels. Yeah. That's just, (laughs) that's just experience, man. That's just being gone from home for weeks on end and, and having stuff break and being like, Man, I should probably bring this. I should yep. probably bring that. But yeah, <laughs> there was no, so I much think... stuff in that truck. There was literally like just a hole like carved out that I just big enough for me to sit like this in. <laughs> that was funny. That's the that's the oak bender, man. When you leave <laughs> September one, and you're like, yep. I may or may not be home till the end of the month, so I got to pack everything. And yeah, but the gear channel will be good because I think you know Jake wants to do more of the gear stuff. He doesn't. He's got a real job. He's a welder fabricator mm-hmm. and so it kind of allows him to get his hands on stuff that maybe like is a competitor to one of my sponsors yeah and so oh, it allows him you. to be unbiased and open yeah. talk openly and freely about stuff and then obviously there's stuff that i have used whether i have a relationship or not i could talk about it but gear for the gearheads, and there's yeah. some gearheads out there man um i guess yeah. i am one of them for sure i, I like good gear I think it helps the older you get, the longer you've been hunting, you can really fine tune your stuff. Like maybe you're not getting the latest and greatest gadgetry stuff, but you can like upgrade certain things that maybe weigh less and, or have multiple uses so that ultimately your pack can get a little lighter. Cause I don't care how fit you are, the lighter the pack, the better, you mm-hmm. know, unless you're a cameraman, then yeah. you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh it's fun. So I haven't, you know, I've been having some guys come with me on well, all my hunts this year to help, but still, you know, you're carrying more stuff than anybody else going back there, you know? So yeah, it's interesting. Um, so yeah. So like I was saying, I, this year, I know you're a goals guy. My goal is to kill my first bull. With? <laughs> um, I don't know yet. So I should get that Montana tag. Um, to be honest, um, I'm kind of looking at a, I don't want to give too much out here, but, um, I don't know yet. Maybe a bow, maybe a rifle, maybe try bow. If it doesn't happen, come back with a rifle. I don't know. I think that's the beauty of Montana. Yeah. You know, uh, Montana's pretty good early yeah. opener. Uh, then it's not, it kind of gets hard. It's very similar to Colorado, there's a lot of private ranches and ground, no matter where you go, mm-hmm. where the elk can get pushed so f- almost overnight yeah. down to places where they can get reprieved. So I've had a lot of good success. And if I get a Montana tag, I generally, tr- like last year is a prime example of, I had scheduled us to hunt Idaho for three mm-hmm. days, four days, and then be there for the Montana opener. Meanwhile, I got this tag burned in my pocket in New Mexico yeah, but Montana is historically that good that I would like to be there for the opener, and then I was gonna drive to New Mexico on Labor Day, and start my fourteen day hunt, yeah. six seven days into the season, like miss six or seven prime days of New Mexico, 
just to catch the Montana opener. So I think if well, you're this is considering maybe, that, you should do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe you can help me process through this. So without trying to give away too much, there's a few units in Montana in which you can hunt with a rifle starting in mid-September. But vast majority of the general units, that's not the case. Now, maybe I can't decide. Maybe I'm just wimping out, or maybe I'm being very logical. But here's my thought process. So my thought process is I'm already pretty new to the Western hunting game. It'd be my first you know, elk hunt. I don't even really know how to call. I can do a little bit of elk, I mean, cow calling. And I know there's some products like Easy Sucker and stuff that make it pretty foolproof. But I just don't know a lot about elk vocalization and stuff. Um, I'm trying to produce, you know, content, which makes it tougher. Um, and my bow is old. All my stuff on it is old. My sights are old. Like my, everything just kind of needs to be reworked. I feel like, I mean, it's a decent bow, but it's just also more set up for East coast kind of, I don't have a slider, you know? So my lim- my range is fairly limited. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Am I just talking myself out of it and being a wimp and I need to just go bow hunting or am I being logical? Uh, no, you're, 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 I mean, you're right about the creator side of things. That's going to make it harder. But, um, the language you were using about your bow is total bullshit. Like <laughs> you've killed how many deer with a bow? I've killed a lot of deer with a bow, but it's been so, a while since I've been bow hunting. It's that doesn't couple... like the bow's proven. Yeah. So that's garbage. You don't need a slider. <laughs> you don't need an out West setup. How many pins you got? Um, enough. I can, I could, last year after I practiced a lot, I was killing out to like 65, 70. You, that's great. You're good to go. Yeah. So it does, it, the bows are so good from the yeah. last 12 years that that's irrelevant. Um, so no, I think yeah, that the is calling, a <laughs> the calling is not that critical in my opinion. I yeah. think elk are more hip to calls, but they are a little bit more uh, susceptible early opening yeah. first week, like especially with the bulls and the tracks on the ridges where they're like searching. Mm-hmm. Velvet's been off a couple weeks. Uh, they're no longer homies. Um, the, I think the calls are, I think that's a yeah. good time to call. And I think you have plenty of time to perfect a good calf yeah. sound. A lot of guys are really into the spot and stalk stuff with elk, I feel like, too. Like, I was talking to Brian Barney. He, like, basically doesn't call. Well, it's where he hunts, though. Yeah. And so, you know, it's no secret where he lives. I'm not going to say, but, you know, that area is also chock full of grizzlies. But where he's hunting is (laughs) it's broken country. He can spend time behind the glass. They can do the vocals and he can make moves and... Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to go. And that's why I prefer to kind of hunt more open country elk. I've kind of given up on my home turf, which is North Idaho, <laughs> because it's always been a vocalization game. And um, you don't yeah. see elk. You hear them, but you don't see them until maybe it's the time to get a shot. So don't, where are you going to hunt is important to have your tactics kind of tailor made to the terrain. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and you're coming from before that even like the pacific northwest right you're used to hunting thick stuff i've hunted mainly idaho my whole life like i started elk hunting i killed my first bull in washington eastern it's thick but yeah it's a it's not as thick as north idaho um the next closest thing to north idaho is going to be like your jungles of east uh, (laughs) western oregon western washington rainforest ferns the size of you and me 
Um, but Idaho, Idaho's steep and thick and North yeah. Idaho is and um, choked full of alders and huckleberry brush. And, you know, your, your average shots probably 10 to 20 yards. Yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So yeah, I have, I think three points in Montana. So I think, I think two is the max, right? For the general tag. Three. three okay. And then you'll no, get, if you correction. don't draw, they'll wipe you. So if you zero. don't draw, you lose all your points anyway. You'll reset after three. That's new ish. Hmm. Because I have three now this year. I will be technically going into it with four. So, I mean, I'm it would be sure dumb to not you... put in for it, right? I don't think you want to buy a – so Montana is a weird state. Like, you can buy your point at the time of application. Like, so oh. if you have three points to your name right now, Hunter, mm-hmm. and you're going to go into the Montana draw, mm-hmm. you'll have an option to buy a point to turn it to four. Right. I'm not, That might purge you to zero if you do that. So you might not even have to spend the extra hundred bucks or whatever it is. Okay. Um, so it might be since it's the max point draw anyway, just don't get the point you're saying. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's a good. To, are you going to put in for limited? So are you going to get a bonus point or put in for. Um, Dude, just help me. What do you think I should do? I don't know. So I, I would. I would personally like. So if you have any bonus points. So let me let me just stop you there. So I have bonus points are the ones that you can buy in July. Correct. I think so. Yeah, you can buy a and then you prefer- can buy a, you can buy a preference point. Okay. Yes, um, you can buy a preference point after the draw. After the draw, okay. I don't quite understand fully, honestly, the difference between bonus and preference points, but I don't think we need to get into that far into the weeds here. But I have three of the. I'm pretty sure they're called bonus points that you can buy in July, July through October. Um, so I've been buying points in Montana for elk and a couple other species for three years now so this would be the fourth year oh yeah yeah. so the way montana works and this is important to know preferences uh about getting a general tag bonuses about hunting limited quota areas Mm. so i can like the bear paws one of the most highly sought after units in all of montana everyone knows that or the snowies you know or the elkhorns you know those are like you know it's just so tough to get that tag yeah um that's a bonus system. So the way that Montana works that you need to remember this is you're going to put in for the draw. You're going to put in for elk. If you draw your general tag and you put in for the limited entry areas, they will look at your application and you will go into that draw. But you kind of have to get your general drawn first. And then if you don't draw your bonus special limited quota you're left with a general tag which is why some people put in for these limited quota tags Mm -hmm. don't draw they're left with a general tag and they're like i'm not hunting montana general and they'll turn them back in and then you'll have like the second or the the wait list for those that didn't get that's how it works but so dude you have to draw your general tag to even put in for these limited quotas. And it sounds like you're buying bonus points. So you, you should put in for sure. Um, and I'll tell you some places offline that yeah. you might draw or whatever, but what they changed. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's super confusing. It is. It is. So just. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have to go back and general. listen to this myself. 
Well, like, that's good. Uh, Write it down. Preferences for general, bonuses for limited. Okay, then quota. my question is how I know how you acquire bonus points because I've been doing that for the past three years. How do you acquire preference points? You buy your preference point when you put in for their draw to draw a okay. general tag. And you have the option to buy a point every year. So okay. basically like this year. So I drew, we'll just use me example. I drew last year. So I'm going into the why the Montana draw with zero preference. Okay. Okay. So that that'd be like me. I'm pretty sure I have zero like unless I'm okay. wrong, I think I and, only have bonus points. So I may have been misinterpreting my likelihood of drawing this tag. Oh, okay. And so you and I have the option to buy a preference mm -hmm. point at the time of the draw to give ourselves a, a extra chance or whatever, like a higher percentage. But what I'm yeah. going to do is I'm not going to buy a preference point this year. I'm just going to put in for the draw with zero preference points. How many bonus points do you have? Five. Okay. And I will put in because it, it'd be cool if I did draw a general, then I would have a chance to draw uh, a limited quota area. Yeah. And I think the weeds are deeper on this, but I do think like this is why Montana's limited quota stuff is, in my opinion, getting better. They changed the rule to where before you could, like even residents can draw these limited quota areas almost 100% every year, mm -hmm. i.e. the Missouri breaks. There are several units in there. Mm-hmm. If you're a resident of Montana, you can pretty much draw that sucker almost every year, almost 100%. Hmm. Nowadays, if you put in for, let's say, the Missouri breaks, you can only hunt the Missouri breaks with your tag. You could Before, you could hunt the Missouri breaks whenever you wanted, but you could also use it as a general tag across oh, okay. the state. So a limited entry tag also covered the general units. Yeah, and they changed that now. Um, I don't know the exact ruling, but basically it made it so it wasn't as attractive for specifically residents to put in for some of these limited quota areas because mm. they they want to have the option to hunt the entire state or do their gotcha. thing. And so it's made the limited quota areas like maybe a little bit a little bit easier to get. But that job is up for the the draw odd gods and wow, people who, statisticians. And I'm not that person. Yeah, well, that's you understand it pretty well. I mean, that's um, it's not easy stuff to to follow. So I don't. I feel like I don't understand it all the way, but I have an idea. It's clear as mud, <laughs> is what I think. Yeah. Okay. So if I have three bonus points, and I'm assuming probably zero preference points, um, should I still draw that general tag? You think? Uh, from what I've read, you actually have better chance of getting a general tag. In Montana with zero preference points. Than <laughs> Bonus you do points, with... you mean? No, you asked if a general tag. You said draw your general oh, tag. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. With zero, so, so you have a better chance with zero than if you have... Which is why I'm not going to buy a preference point going into the draw. Okay, I'm going to well, just stick with zero. So you should yeah. do the same, and let's test it out this year and see if we draw. Um, we'll see. The Dude, there was wasn't that long ago where I would go to Montana and buy leftover tags. <laughs> yeah. Not well, that long ago. Luckily for me, I don't know what the good old days were like. So yeah, to me, I'm still in them. <laughs> Agreed. I, we're all in the good old days. Yeah. I mean, I was smart in that the second I realized I really liked Western hunting, I started buying states or points everywhere I could. 
So at least I'm starting to get to now where I can see, right, okay, if I am smart about rotating states, you know, I'll be able to exactly. fill out a decent season every year. It's it's not that hard. And no. I hear a lot of bitching about nobody promotes opportunity and, and explains yeah. how to get to play. Dude, opportunity is abundant, especially if you're not yeah. dead set on I got to kill a bull. There's so many cow tags, B tags. Yeah. Uh, or from meat. my perspective, different, different, like if you're just getting into Western hunting, like different species. I mean, there's, you know, you might Absolutely. not hunt a limited entry bull elk tag every year or something, but if yeah. you combine it with doing an antelope hunt, doing a deer hunt here and just kind of make a season, you can get multiple tags per year if you really want. I think it'd be cool to get to Montana. I like it because I'm close. You know, I'm two states away. Yeah. I can be in Montana and realistically an hour and 15 minutes. So I love Montana's general seasons, but I don't know how long they'll keep it to where you got a six week archery season. Yeah. A six week or seven week rifle season, shoulder seasons. Um, you know, yeah. and it's such a big state and there's so many cool places to check out, but you yeah. know, Montana's tricky. I hunted sure. Montana for the first time this year for deer. Um, I saw that. It was cool. Yeah. Um, What'd you think of that? What'd you think of that country? It was um, weird. <laughs> it's deceptively challenging. It doesn't look that bad, um, but then you got to be really careful about the lines you pick because if you just bomb down into a coulee, like it can be really steep getting out or just really terrible, or you can get cliffed out. Um, so you got to really be intentional about your picking your lines. It's really hard to read a topo map because it's not one you know big obvious features. It's just like zigzags everywhere. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. It looks, it's kind of like you look out and it looks sort of barren, but then you sit there for like 30 minutes and animals start popping out of different little cuts and stuff. So, um, very interesting. Very cool. No, I love it. The, and the, did you have any weather to turn things into gumbo? <laughs> when we got there, there was <laughs> yeah. probably almost knee deep, knee deep in some places, but definitely like mid shin deep almost everywhere the first night we were there was negative 23 and we were oh were you like, were you there in november this year yeah yeah that was one of the coldest novembers mm-hmm. ever yeah <laughs> my first my first experience where, in montana where did you sleep the first night we slept in a teepee in negative 23 negative 25 something like that it How wasn't that, was bad. that bad i had a zero degree bag and i was wearing my puffies we had a little mr buddy well, first when we first got in to kind of knock the chill off obviously we turned that off in the night but you know, it wasn't that bad. And then um, once we decided that like that was a good spot to hang out for a while, my cameraman had brought a wall tent, and we had a we had a wood stove. Same thing, you know. You don't you're not gonna keep the wood stove going all night, but it knocked the chill off. You know, when we were kind of hanging out, and then it wasn't that bad. Mornings suck. I bet getting out of that said sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah. We would kind of roll over. We did still have that Mr. Buddy heater, so we kind of roll over like 30 minutes before, crank it on, thaw our boots out, you know. Smart. And then sleep a little bit and then kind of get up when it was not too bad. It, it wasn't – like, honestly, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Okay. I was kind of scared. but um, And I still had to do a couple – I my feet get cold really easily, so I had to, like, kind of do a couple extra steps there to keep my feet from, like, literally freezing off. Um, yeah. I think I have like bad circulation or something, but it was a good hunt, man. Um, so, um, but if you, let's say, let's assume I did draw that tag, that general 
would you go – and I don't want to get specific, obviously, but would you try to go somewhere kind of East Montana or West and more in the mountains? It just depends on kind of like choose your own adventure type thing. Like what yeah. what makes sense for you? Um, the further East you go, the more private ground you're going to run into. Um, I think the further – like the more central Montana you go, if you go north – it's pretty well known that the elk populations are good. So yeah. you're going to have some hunt pressure. And plus you got Brosman not too far from there. It's kind of like how many hunters live there and how yeah. many good hunters Yeah, a lot. If you go south of Bozeman, you know, you're going to get into really good elk country too, but then you're going to have to deal with lots of grizzly bears so that you got to understand that. Um, yeah. And there's so many ranges south of Bozeman, just look on a map and you'd be like, okay, these are chock full of elk, hundred percent. Dan said so. He's not going to lie to me, but it's chock full of grizzly bears. Um, if you head to the southwest area, that's still pretty heavily hunted. There's some good numbers. Um, it, a little bit more open country. Um, I'll tell you, the the if you go northwest, just depends on how west you go. You get close to Idaho, you're talking brush bulls, an extension of north Idaho, which could be a vocalization game. If you mm -hmm. kind of stay east of the Marshall and the Bob, you know, there's elk numbers in there too, but there's a lot of draw units. So you got to kind of figure that out. Um, and speaking of grizzly bears, you could always go to the Bob and hang out with the grizzlies. Yeah. Have you ever hunted um, in the Bob? I purposely do not hunt there. I, I'm not a huge <laughs> grizzly bear fan. I hunt solo, man. So yeah, uh, that's yeah, yeah, one yeah. stipulation. Like there's certain ranges I'll hunt with grizzly bears and the Bob Marshall is not one of them. And I think it would be better to have stock to hunt there. And I think especially to get animals out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, talk to Lampers about some of his Bob Marshall stories. He's got some good ones. Does he? Okay. Um, so, yeah, that Grizzlies, that's a, a good topic, actually, because, um, you know, as a guy from the East Coast, I don't have uh, – I mean, I've been to Alaska a couple times, so we, you know, we saw Grizzlies, but they were very – it was in Kodiak, so they're hunted. So they're, you know, they kind of see or smell you. They're out of there kind of deal. Yeah. Um. So I don't have a ton of grizzly experience. Um. What, you know, what's your, like, grizzly protocol? Like, what's your tips for Because I, I probably plan, there's a good chance I'll be in grizzly territory this year, and it'll be my first time kind of dealing with that. So. Well, I, I think you got to have bear spray on your hip for okay. sure. Like, and I would practice using it once or twice. Bear spray to, and pistol, or as you would take that instead of a pistol? I pack both, personally. Both. Uh, and a 10mm. Yep. I have a 44 mag. It's a revolver. It holds six. I don't yeah, even I already like have shooting. a Glock 20. That's my bear gun. Okay, so Glock 20, I have one. Those are nice. Yep. Get a big mag. Practice with it. Um, it's more a peace of mind, really. Yeah. Uh, what we're afraid of is we're afraid of running into a sow with cubs. Like that's mm -hmm. our, that's our number one thing that we don't really want to like have some sort of stars align and you come around a corner and you know you're between a mom and her babies. Yeah, like Those, revenant that's, type type deal. The revenant exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's my one concern. Um, and then obviously, just you have to be pretty much. Uh, especially at twilight, you know, gray light when you're hiking in or hiking out or making your last move on an animal. It's like, yeah. that's when bears are out and, uh, and then uh, keep a clean camp. Um, yeah. It's not a good place to, 
to keep your toothpaste in your tent or not have your food hung up somewhere away. And then when you kill something, it's really important that you get it somewhere where it's fairly open, if at all possible, to where, you know, you're making multiple trips. You can approach the carcass, you know, upwind so that your scent goes down to it so that mm-hmm. you're like, hey, yeah. uh, loud music and that you can visually see. And you just got to watch your back, man. So I just I can't tell you how many times I've been solo elbow deep on an elk trying to get a rear quarter off and. My, your guard's pretty much down at that point, man. Oh, like yeah. there's really, you're focused. you know, and you're you know crouched. how that goes. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. so just going back to um, the clean camp thing. So, you, you know, obviously no food, but also you mentioned like people say, don't keep your toothpaste, stuff like that you might not think about in your tent. Um, so you hang your food, everything. Yeah, you have to. I take like this little Kufaru camp bag mm-hmm. uh, in the backcountry. And then I keep all my stuff in it and I pull it out of my hoodlum, dump it all out, get camp set up. And then I put all the stinky stuff that might have a smell to it. And then just run, throw a tight paracord around a rock. Yeah. Throw it over like a 20 foot okay. tree, hang it up. And I, I don't keep it very close to my camp. I don't mind walking a hundred yards to the food stash yeah. uh, or what have you. Um, do you ever do the electric yeah, fence thing? No. No. I don't, I would, I, I would totally like if, if you were with Livesey, I'd be like, Hey man, throw this in your llama. Like I would totally, right. I think it would be, I would sleep better for sure. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Um, are you going to go uh bear hunting this year? Uh, is the Pope Catholic man? <laughs> I tell you, I, I haven't missed a spring bear season since 2006. Nice dude. So. Are you hunting Idaho or are you hunting somewhere else? Um, I'll be hunting in Canada this year for the first oh, cool. time for bears over bait. That'll be, that's more of like a fun YouTube event yeah. we created, uh, which will be just like growing out and I've, I've killed bears over bait. So it's, it's cool. It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but my bread and butter is to go to Idaho, do some spot and stock, mm-hmm. um, with a bow still, to, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I did shoot a bear last year with a rifle. Oh yeah. What was that? You were shooting like a SIG cross or something? Or what was that? So last year I went to Alaska, did spot and stock bears from a boat. That was dope. And then I went to Idaho. I did spot and stock with a bow, got a bear and then, um, got a second tag and was kind of being picky. I remember, I think I was with the Onyx guys and I took them, I was taking them bear hunting for just a two day, like kamikaze hunt. And, um, the short story is. Dylan, I found him two bears across this canyon. He said, that's in my effective range. He sat down and he squeezed the trigger. And then basically he shot the wrong bear uh-huh. and dropped it. And we were high-fiving. And and then the other guy from on next, Andrew's like, Dan, don't you have a second bear tag? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, we're already going down there. Why don't you shoot this bear with, with Dylan's gun? And I was like, mm. absolutely not. I'm a bow hunter, man. Like I'm... <laughs> I'm pretentious bow hunter. No. And I was like, well, let me look at, let me just lay down and look through the scope and, and just see how it feels. And that's all she wrote. Like I sat down, I don't know yeah. what Dylan did, but that gun was like, you couldn't move it. It was rock steady. The crosshairs were right on the bear. It was like, yeah. it was 620. And I took it off safety. That's a poke, dude. Took it off safety. And I mean, I probably just put my finger barely on the trigger just to like, you know, address the, the trigger and it <laughs> went off and the bear went down and, I just shot a bear with a rifle 
And then there was one hell of a, like, you know, bear hunting. It's like, it's mainly, it's, it's false advertising hunter. If you think bear hunting, if you think bear hunting is like this magnificent spot and stock strategic surgery, what it is, is sitting on a master vantage, not moving, pulling ticks off you all day. Hundreds. And seeing bears and trying to find the one that's in a spot that you might be able to get to in time because they're so yeah. <laughs> they're so intervals. They yeah. they pop out, they go back in. So once you find a bear and they hang out above s- like cliffy, nasty, just Ugh. gross stuff. So once you find a bear, that's cool. Good for you. Your hunt has not even started yet. You have right. to somehow it's always drop across a blown out creek. Let's call it a river. Yeah. Because that's uh, what this really year we had to like. pack raft across. That's pretty protocol. And then once yeah. you get to that side, you now you have to not only get the wind right, but you got to relocate this bear, and it looks completely different from your sweet vantage. Dude, I don't and know how you me, do that with a bow, man. Lots of practice. Lots of lots of. That's walk tough, to dude. Because we we shot ours across the river, the rifle, like you know, and I can't imagine crossing, getting up there. And finding the animal again and killing it, that's pretty cool. Can't tell you how many times, how many times I've <laughs> crossed, gotten the wind right, got up there, and I can't relocate They're just gone. Them. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. Dude, that's terrible because it took us like four hours just to get to that bear, and he was dead. Think about this. And it was most a terrible bears, four hours. <laughs> yeah. Think about most of the bears that don't even come out till 4.30 to 6.30 p.m., so once you commit and you get over there and then you fail to find them, oh. congratulations. You get to get back to where you started in the dark. Dude. So that's how I've just, gotten so comfortable with being in the dark. You're just a glutton for punishment, man. It's the hard way. <laughs> I love it. Dude, we did that one time after shooting Mark's bear and we were like, that was awful. Like it took us, I'm pretty sure it took us eight hours by the time from the time we shot the bear to getting over there, cleaning it, packing it out, you know, all the rafting and getting back to camp. Yeah. And so it was terrible. I can't, I, 3 a.m. getting back to base camp is so normal. And not <laughs> worrying about the morning hunt is also so normal. Oh, bear hunting is just a different vibe. I'm glad I don't have to film you doing a bear hunt is all I got to say. You'd love it. <laughs> I would love it. But I might shoot all your bears with a rifle before you had time to get over there. Yeah, and obviously it works. I mean, it's like Dan, just pick it up and bring it back while you're there. Yeah, just throw it over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, speaking of throwing stuff over your shoulder, you hung out with Cam Haynes like not long ago, didn't you? This summer, I went down to his place and did. Yeah, how's that? Uh, it was awesome. He's so cool. Yeah. I don't know why people don't like him. Uh, obviously, people do like him, but there's so many people that don't that are hunters and. Yeah. I wish they would just understand he's like the real deal. He's not fake. Yeah. He's not a fake dude. He's so driven yeah. and so obsessed and he's singular focus. I like being around him. Um, and he's really witty uh-huh. and actually hilarious. And, um, <laughs> you know, he's very chill though. He's very low key. Like yeah. if you were doing a podcast right now, the way I'm sitting and talking is how he talks all the time. He never gets up never. He's very just, yeah. Nice and level, but I enjoyed hanging out with him. I've known him a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked out with him before, but that was like true. Do a marathon. Yeah, how far did you guys run? He said twenty-two that day. 
and it was like three peaks and I was so over it on mile 18. <laughs> I was like, I think at one point he was trying to talk at mile 18 and I was like, can you just tell me where we're going and just go, <laughs> just wait for me when you get there. I don't want to talk anymore. I just want to like, yeah, try, try to move my legs. Try I'm not a runner, man. I'm not a runner. And, um, that's impressive, man. Cause like I consider myself to be in pretty good shape. I run fairly long distances. I'd probably run around 10 miles ish each weekend split up nice. over two days. But like, um, dude, running 22 miles. I don't even, I can't even like imagine that. <laughs> you could do it. I mean, Jake did it with a camera, oh, you geez. know, we had no training for it. Um, I do just run mentally though. It just seems like that would be such a mental grind. I guess it's bad. I guess it's not as bad if you have someone you're with, but like you said, by 18, you're just like, I don't even care anymore. It, it, we were doing cam stuff. So like we were doing his peaks, his <laughs> trails. And then when we worked out, we did his type, type of workouts, which is anything bench press and arms. And, um, <laughs> and then we went to his buddy's <sighs> archery range and shot where he always shoots. And, and, and that was what we signed up for. We knew that's what we were getting ourselves into. And it was like a tr- like he, it was a deal we made where like I had to do all these things. And then if we did all these things, he would sit down and come on my podcast and we would do a podcast. So oh, we nice. didn't start podcasting until 9 PM. And um, it was a good podcast, man. Like he said some good one liners that were awesome. And yeah, we got to know him a little bit better. And, um, and then that's it looks cool. like now that's kind of like his new format is like, I was just thinking that as you're talking is like he did that with you. And then now he's like kind of started this new project where he's having folks over and taking them through the ringer and then doing a podcast. Yeah. It's a great formula. I'm cool. I think it, I think it'll do well. And obviously like I root for him. Um, and I go, I think I go against the grain a little bit just because I think there's like, I root for you Hunter. Like I root, I think you know that about me. Like that's one yeah. thing is like, I root for everybody because I sure. think, there's so many people that don't um, – the, the best way to say it is there's so many people that don't hunt mm-hmm. and eat meat. And those are the people that I want to know about hunting in a positive light. Yeah. Well, you're saying – okay, yeah. You're saying you want the people that are not hunters to look at hunting in a positive light. 100%. Yeah. You know, you're not going to yeah. change the mind of the people in the far end who are like absolutely anti-hunting. Right. But the majority of the people aren't really pro or anti. Yeah, they They're probably know. indifferent. And so mm-hmm. those are the people that might see something on a social media platform. True. Or whatever that I want it to be spun up pretty good. Yeah. And and, and that's the majority. Yeah. And that's yeah. who. And I think if we all were a little bit more united, it'd be probably better. Yeah. No, for for sure, that man. job. Yeah. Well, that's cool. You got to hang out with Cam and, um, and, uh, you survived that. But, um, anyway, just kind of a little rabbit trail, but, um, any more like tips for, uh, trying to kill my first elk this year. So I'm going to do that. Hopefully I'll draw it. And then also I'm going to go out to Oregon, believe it or not. My buddy Luke Dusenberry is from out there and we're going to try to kill some blacktail cause that'll be the last deer I need to get all my deer subspecies. And then we're going to try to hunt some Roosevelt's for the last few days. Um, and he's got a cousin that lives out there that has been keeping track on some animals or something. Or, you know, we have the local knowledge is all I'm trying to say. 
So uh, the, anyway, the deuce, the deuce buried dude. He's he's very talented. I think he's a good hunter probably and knows what he's doing. So I yeah. lean on him. But sure. I think um, the tips for elk hunting is follow the playbook when you hung out with me. Like just grind it out, yeah. squander zero time, and do your best to find elk to hunt the next day every day hmm. to up your chances. And um, you know, you're I've I've been around you. You're fit. Your 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 fitness is gonna hold up. You're not weak between the ears. You know. Appreciate it shooting a bow at a big elk is going to be extremely different yet similar to in a tree stand, believe it or not, like you're going to have that adrenaline Mm -hmm. and maybe you don't know when to draw or all that kind of stuff, like in the heat of the moment. But if you can take from what all you're killing out of tree stands with whitetail that Mm -hmm. give yourself that extra second, that is hard as heck to do will really help you pick a spot and make a good shot because elk are really, they don't want to die and mm-hmm. you got to shoot them proper. So just give yourself that extra second. Um, That's a good I don't tip. know. I think you're going to, a, good tip. a lot of guys, it. I, you know, when you're, when your adrenaline is just jacked, you just kind of like, it's like your your CNS is like just end of this like and so you just you, the pin goes on the animal and you're like ah and you just like really you know what I mean but taking that extra second like you said to just like maybe even take a breath and just like get that pin in there and really be intentional about it. When I've hunted with new guys um, and I've got them on shots and stuff, they definitely rush everything, but they also don't realize like you can kind of get away with more with the elk. So like if an elk stops and is staring right at you mm-hmm. and you're not at full draw, go ahead and slowly draw your bow. Like mm. they might just sit there and stare. And if they get ready and nervous and start to run, have a cow call in your mouth, get ready to stop them when they turn and they'll stop and look back. And they're going to present to you this beautiful quartering away shot. Like I have, pulled my bow back so many times on elk looking right at me in Idaho, just because it's thick. They can't really make me out. They're dead set staring and I'm just slowly coming to full draw. And once I'm there, I'm like, you're dead. It's over. Uh, and then I've also had them kind of start to like run, get nervous. Um, or they stop right behind a tree when you're at full draw, all that kind of stuff. Like having a cow call in your mouth when you're in tight with elk is paramount. Because okay. you can manipulate a little bit and stop them where you need them. Good. That's good advice, man. Um, you're kind of like getting me fired up to go and, and give uh, the archery a shot, man, and stop uh, stop uh, making excuses. <laughs> well, I think Brian Call said it on the podcast that I did with him. He was like, man, we stopped doing archery hunting and try, like, trying to make YouTube videos just because it's 10 X harder It is, and nothing hits the ground really. And yeah. I understand that, but and not um, only in the moment, but even like the fact of like, you know, I, I have so much work to do editing and stuff. And then to also kind of add to my plate, I need to become or get back to being, you know, a semi badass archer between now and, and September. It's like just an adding an extra thing to your plate because you, for me, anyway, like you know, you need to practice. You don't just pick up your bow the day before the season and go out there, you know, elk hunting. Yeah, and you got to practice all these shot angles that you might take. You know, like from a knee with a backpack on, right. sweaty, high heart rate, um, mm-hmm. sitting on your butt on both knees, half squat, crouched, uphill, downhill, 
all this kind of stuff, swinging your bow because the elk's going through lanes, swinging to, if are you right-handed? Yes. So swinging to your right, which is the hardest when you're right-handed, like elk's coming through your, you know. Oh yeah. He's, he's going to your right. It's the hardest to hold, like going to your left is easy, but to your right, it's, it's just more challenging. So hmm. practicing that. And then, oh, he's going to come through those two trees, cow call in your mouth, practice, stop. Yeah. Don't punch it, squeeze it up. You know, there's this, yeah, it's a lot. there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but, yeah. um, there's nothing like it, man. It's a good drug. It's the best drug. I'm so addicted. <laughs> I know you are. Yeah, man. You're a freaking elk hunt machine. I remember being out there with you and just like, um, there was one point where we like made a big move in the unit and, uh, we kind of took like just a real quick break to get some food and like, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, little break, whatever. And you're just on your freaking phone, just like going nuts on Onyx, like trying to figure out the next move. I was like, this dude never stops. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I lost a lot of weight this year, El Cotton, man, and I don't have a lot of weight to lose. I am proud to say I am up 24 pounds since October Dude. 1st. Wow, that's crazy, man. Just straight lean, uh, was it lean body mass? Oh, yeah, I just lose muscle. Wow, weird. See, I fluctuate. You can't eat enough. That's, you're lucky, man. If I don't track like everything that goes in my mouth, I just like start swelling in my belly. Well, I mean, I could get fat and sassy in the off season if I wanted to. I'm not hiking 12 miles every day, but yeah. you know, the training I do now is just, you know, an hour a day of yeah. physical and then that's it. That's all I can budget. So I don't do two a days. I don't do three a days. Yeah. Um, yesterday I ran three and a half, four miles, all trail mountain. Nice. And, um, that's great i won the day i didn't want to do that i did it yeah box was checked it actually felt pretty good to be out in the hills for sure um, and you can't really replicate what... that in the gym completely in terms of just walking up hills with heavy packs so you kind of just have to do that it's really you hard do. to replicate there's no way getting around it yeah. and so i will do more rucking as you know summer approaches but i honestly bear hunt yeah and insane and insane i don't hunt as much bears as probably ryan but maybe I do. Yeah. I do. I do hunt bears a lot. So I get a ton of hikes and rucking. And that's another thing to make bear hunting cool is like, dude, you're like chipping the rust off before yeah. everybody else. And you got to show up ready, gear. though, for bear season, man, because the spot I've got e-scouted is like, it looks like New Zealand, bro. It's like probably a good Mordor. spot. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a good bear hunting spot. That's why and I it picked will it. Suck. Yeah, it's going to suck, but also <laughs> it's going to get the rust off in a hurry. And you're like worrying about the wind and reading the mountain thermals and reading topography and, you know, maneuvering and dude, that stuff's priceless. And that's yeah. like a great huge head. It's a great advantage on the rest of the hunting competition because they still pretty rusty at the beginning of the season, whereas you kind of chipped it off. Yeah, it's a good point, man. And it's just fun to get out there and kind of be out there in the spring it's a unique time to or a really beautiful time also to be in the mountains and oh. um it's a cool opportunity to uh, get out there and do some spot and sock hunting in the west and it's not hard to get a tag either at this point yeah you know i think there's some folks that like or maybe you're frustrated with how it's hard to get an elk tag nowadays well change your game go yeah. spring bear hunting make that your adventure hunt for out west or whatever it's yeah it's a cool it's thing bear meat is so underrated and um 
they live in cool places and you're hunting a predator, not an ungulate. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. Just, uh, I wouldn't go with a floorless shelter if you can avoid it. Cause you will be picking ticks off yourself all night long, which I did last year. <laughs> I just don't do floorless shelters. Yeah. I brought both, but then like Ryan and Brad were doing, um, the floorless. So I kind of just was like, eh, all right, but live a say he was smart. He had the double wall. Follow the 60-year-old man. He's yeah. going to have more wisdom. He's actually <laughs> probably 59, but that's you know what good, I'm saying. Like, that's a good advice. He's he's woods wise. He's been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, so this year I'm definitely bringing the double wall. But anyway, man, I know you're a busy, dude. I could sit here and probably shoot the breeze with you forever, but I'm going to let you go, man. I appreciate you giving me an hour of your time, and it was great catching up with you, brother. Dude, likewise, man. I appreciate you having me on, and I, um, I respect your hustle, which is uh, my love Thank language. You, so keep it up. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's good talking to you, man. Likewise.